I have basically medical conditions similar to rheumatoid arthritis that I wasn't aware of at that time, didn't get diagnosed at that point. So I got to start sophomore, sophomore year coming in with busted up knees where I couldn't really, like I tried to get a job and then I they'd be like, you have to do an eight hour shift. And I'm like, I physically can't stand that long. Basically, if you have like a small little ball and every time you do activity, the ball gets a little bit bigger. But then whenever you don't do activity, the ball gets a little bit smaller. And most of the time I could keep a nice baseline where I aggravated a little throughout the day and then I'd go to sleep and then it'd go right back to normal. Got fairly depressed sophomore year as kind of all of that was happening. And then and I wasn't able to do very many things. I think that's when a lot of that depression started kicking in. And I think I've definitely noticed that. You are now listening to Linguini's Dough. Today on Linguini's Dough, we're featuring Grady Koo. In this episode, we're going to talk about finances and kind of the struggles that you may have had relating to those. Um, with that in mind, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Grady? Hi, um, my name's Grady Cool. I have a YouTube channel. Um, been doing like podcast and finance stuff recently. Just recently switched to doing kind of more book review type stuff. Um, I guess I work in the finance industry and other than that, I've read a whole lot of self-help books and know a whole lot about that entire area. Oh yeah, that's that's good stuff to know. Um, I know, isn't your uh, podcast that you've been kind of working on at the moment called Cool Talks? Yes. Okay, what kind of got you to get that started? I originally wasn't even my idea. My buddy Jack, who's on the show with me as well, had come up with the idea. I had started a YouTube channel back in September, and then as things were going along, I was doing gaming content at that point, and was trying to come up with ideas for things that I could do, and then he brought up the idea that a podcast might be a good way to go, and I had never really thought about really even doing one because I didn't think that I'd be able to get as many people to interview as has been the case so yeah got a friend to start doing it with and then eventually Jack came on later but with that it started reaching out to people and was basically just interviewing people about their entire life and going okay what life lessons have you had and what can I learn from that and just progressively trying to get better at it from there yeah, it's one step at a time, that's for sure. If I'm not mistaken, you also have a co-host named Andrew? Uh, Drew, but yeah. Oh, Drew, sorry. Uh, All good. Yeah, They're and, very similar names. <laughs> yeah, did he later join on? Um, so he was originally, it was originally me and Drew, and then Jack joined later because Jack had uh, work that was taking up a lot of his time at that point. Oh, yeah. Okay, so once he was available to kind of comfortably get in yeah cool okay so when you started your youtube what was kind of your uh goal like did you have a goal in mind because i know you started with like vlogs and gaming content what was your yeah. goal? so i originally got into youtube i mean all the way back from i think i was like 10 11 years old that type of thing um took all those videos and put them on private a long time ago but um i've always just found the YouTube space very interesting. I've been watching it since like 2008, 2009, something like that, watching old Pokemon videos. Um, and 
I, as I got older, kind of into my teenage years and then into my 20s, started thinking to myself, well, being a public speaker would be cool, kind of way down the line as I had started watching videos of people like Eric Thomas, Elliot Hulse, those type of things. And when I started thinking of, okay, how is that going to be even possible for me to do as someone who is not good at public speaking? Yeah. I, it took a lot of me thinking, okay, if I just practice at something thousands of hours, I'll probably get a lot more comfortable with it, meet some people who can actually teach me some things, and basically just kind of spread my horizons and also put in the hours to be able to get to that point. YouTube, I feel like, was a really good way for me to practice at that and also meet other people. I was doing Toastmasters when before pandemic kind of hit. But it's been a really good way to get a lot more comfortable talking in public and just talking over electronic networks as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is Toastmasters? Out of curiosity, I personally don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, it's a it's an older organization. It's from like the seventies or eighties or something like that. Um, I heard about it from my grandparents. But basically, ten or twenty people will get in a room once a week, and they'll basically each practice giving a speech for a minute and a half and it'll be on some random subject and then once every month or two you'll give a prepared speech that's five minutes long about a random subject oh um, okay all right that's cool um i noticed you just mentioned that uh you felt like you didn't have confidence before you started this and you're like okay this is a good way i can branch out to that what was what was that um confidence block like for you oh <laughs> When I was in middle school, high school, I I would get up to speak in front of people. And the thing that would almost always happen was I would take whatever speech I'm supposed to give for some class. And something that would normally last eight minutes would then become four minutes because I was machine gunning the words out of my mouth as fast as I possibly could. Just being super nervous. A lot of it just came down to body reactions. And I think that some of it might have been just lack of self-confidence about being up there yeah do you feel like a lot of it was maybe some of the kids contributing um in part i mean when you're bad at something and it's publicly in front of everybody that you know it's very easy to feel like ah, oh, yes they're going to laugh at me and then when they do you can either choose to laugh along or not but they still end up laughing oh yeah and that messes you up <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay um so you're are you so are you still in college at the moment or have you graduated from that? Um, I recently just graduated in May. Oh, okay. Well, congrats on that. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> what do you feel like were some of those hard things about college? I guess let's just for example, let's start with the first year of college. What were for you the hardest things with that? Coming out of my senior year of high school, I had kind of split away from quite a few of the friends that I had made during high school. So there were only a few people that I was really talking to at that point. So coming into college, I had had a fairly lonely summer. Um, then coming into school, it was how do I find friends and interact with people in a way that isn't so stressful? And then how do I also set myself up for success at career-wise stuff? Because I originally at that point wanted to go into investment banking. I figured it would lead me down multiple paths to be able to go, okay, don't know 100% what I want to do, but this is a really good starting point. Mm -hmm. um, then as I kind of got further into freshman year, um, ended up meeting my girlfriend like in the same dorms that I lived in, but 
had quite a few struggles of, oh yeah, I thought that I had like mentally messed up like my ex-girlfriend from high school. So mm-hmm. dealt, dealt with that kind of a bit freshman year. So being comfortable getting into relationships and then finding clubs where I felt like I could actually grow. It was just a lot of finding places where I fit in. And a lot of times I would try something and it just wouldn't work out quite the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Like, for instance, there was a club called the Investment Banking and Consulting Club, and it they were very hardcore, I feel like is the way I would put it, about how high the standards they wanted you to have were. And ended up being a, way too overwhelming for me, and I ended up moving away from it, but had tried really hard to fit in there. There were a couple other clubs where it was... I just didn't like fit in with the people there that much, and yet I would keep trying to go to the club meetings and stuff like that. Oh, I was just gonna say, well, what point do you feel like you do fit in in a club? Because a lot of those you didn't. You're like, I don't fit in with this after a while. <laughs> For me, what ended up happening was I there would be certain clubs where. I would feel comfortable in other ones where it would just be going for, oh, there's companies that come here, things like that. Friends-wise, I feel like the only clubs where I ended up making friends that stuck, and it wasn't just like an acquaintance type thing, was ones where I had friends that were coming in from the outside to begin with. I didn't have a whole lot of luck in college meeting new friends that weren't just people I had met either within like the first few weeks or had been friends of friends. Because I went to basically my local university that was 20 minutes away from where my high school was. So I knew a lot of people going into college that were going to the same school. So there's a lot of, oh, yeah, here, let me introduce you to this person. Or here's my friend. You might get along with him. And then kind of switching friend groups a bit from there. Yeah. So is it just kind of you guys were kind of acquaintances, I guess? Yeah. That happened to me a lot with um, clubs, I think, is a way of putting it. It was... Be friendly with someone. There might be someone that you talk to there for, you know, 10, 20 minutes, but you don't really talk with them outside of the club all that much. And if you see each other at some sort of event, you'll come up and talk to each other. But, you know, sort of like further friendships of purposely hanging out outside of clubs and stuff like that. Because I like to call it the ghost. (laughs) Yes. Um, okay, what about your next year of high school? So your first one was like your relationship with losing because you didn't talk with a lot of your high school friends, um, your girlfriend, um, which was just because you were getting over your ex-girlfriend, correct? Um, yeah, it just felt like I had um, basically had, I don't know, was scared to commit to somebody and then them not be up to like obnoxiously high standards and then eventually got over that and have been dating the same girl I met freshman year of college up till now. Hey, good to hear that. It's always nice when it yeah. lasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then sophomore year, I so the summer in between my freshman and sophomore year, I had an internship doing door-to-door sales and Boston, which was across the country for me. That was a terrible time, but I have basically medical conditions similar to rheumatoid arthritis that I wasn't aware of at that time, didn't get diagnosed at that point. So I went over there to do door-to-door sales, and then by about midsummer, my knees had basically given out, and I got to start sophomore year coming in with busted-up knees where I couldn't really, like, I tried to get a job, and then I 
they'd be like, you have to do an eight hour shift. And I'm like, I physically can't stand that long. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. Spent two, three months um, in physical therapy trying to fix my knees. And then I had small little other things like ankles and neck pain that kind of came up along the way. And so that kind of first semester back, I had a bit of what they call like the sophomore slump where freshman year was very exciting to come in, but then everything slows down and then all the medical stuff on top of that was rough, especially because I didn't have a car at that point. So I was taking the bus to get to physical therapy and watching a bus drive by as you're walking up to try and cross the street is the saddest thing in the world. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) That's a die inside moment for sure. I I did that a lot of times. Oh my goodness icing my knees at physical therapy and trying to like jog out despite my knee pain being like i gotta make the bus it's down the street it's coming you gotta do this uh, <laughs> got fairly depressed sophomore year as kind of all of that was happening and then that kind of continued kind of i guess throughout the rest of that year yeah um so just kind of expanding on some of those details uh with that arthritis did you have to were you doing college online at that time Cause how did you like manage it with the physical therapy and the um, college? I was I was living on campus at the time, at at that point it was fairly easy to walk to class just because my knee pain. It was a point where if I started trying to do things that would aggravate it, meaning if I tried to go running or if I tried to walk more than a couple miles or something like that. Then it would start to aggravate it a little bit more, but I, it, it's the weirdest little disease. Um, basically, think of it almost like a trying to think of like the best example. But basically, if you have like a small little ball, and every time you do activity, the ball gets a little bit bigger. But then, whenever you don't do activity, the ball gets a little bit smaller. And most of the time, I could keep a nice baseline where I aggravated a little throughout the day, and then I'd go to sleep, and then it'd go right back to normal. And was kind of keeping that pace with things, and it would only get aggravated if I did stupid stuff where it's like, ah, yes, went out on some date that was longer than I should have, or I tried to go, like, do something active with friends when I really shouldn't have, or things like that. So I was able to get to class easy enough. Yeah, so is your arthritis kind of like a perfectionist in a sense? Yeah, kind of is. It's, it never really goes away, and if you ever kind of try to do too much with it, I mean, I still struggle with it now. It definitely lets itself be known. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, okay, so then expanding just a little bit before that, you were doing door-to-door cells, which I've heard is one of the most yeah. brutal cells. <laughs> It, it it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Would you feel like you learned from it at least, or just total? Oh, definitely. My confidence with public speaking type things, which is the main reason I went into, is like I need to get more comfortable talking in a professional setting and talking in front of people. I got way more confident myself while out there. I only made like twenty five sales or so, but the contracts were for around five hundred each. So ended up being over around 10 grand in revenue so oh so i did pretty more, well yeah, well that was for the company i oh. ended up losing more money than i ended up making <laughs> because the 
money you get paid out of that role there's no base salary the contract is really not in favor of the employee and it goes up exponentially so your first like 50 sales you really don't make much but then after that as you start getting higher than that they start paying you a lot if you're really good at it you can make 10 or 20 grand in a summer even your first time but i just was naturally not very good at it so it took me a lot of practice i think it took me like three weeks to make my first sale and that was rough oh i bet so yeah it took you like three weeks to make your first sale and you only made 25 how long were you doing it um so i think six or seven weeks or something like that mm-hmm. um i will say that i think one of the hardest parts about it was just the lack of anywhere to go meaning a lot of times i i was there didn't have a car i'd get dropped off in the morning i could either start the day early at like 9 a.m or i could do the training meeting that we did at like 11 a.m or noon and then be out until sundown which is usually around 8 p.m and a lot of times it's like where am i going to find a bathroom where am i going to find water without having to use the bathroom by drinking too much water oh yeah (laughs) and then there's the just if you start emotionally feeling isolated because you've either had too many people not home or you've had too many people who are telling you oh yeah you know i really don't like you being here or you have a dog try and chase you off a property or stuff like that it just mentally gets to you over time and man that it, it just gets very stressful so sometimes i'd find myself trying to take breaks or things like that but then you'd end up if you if you're in massachusetts and you sit on the ground during summertime you inevitably will get some sort of bugs on you <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. so it, sometimes you just kind of would feel trapped almost and the only way you could deal with that is either by just complete apathy of just go okay i'm just trying to get through the day or the other end where i'm going to make the absolute most out of this situation and try to learn as much as possible and get as many sales as possible like today i'm gonna talk to over 100 people and i'm usually quite a go-getter with those type of things but i still found myself fluctuating between the two especially when you mixed in the physical pain of the knee stuff kind of slowly building up over that period it was just always a hodgepodge especially when you threw in the weather there was a lot of days where we just got rained out oh yeah yeah and you're you're also doing it in the summer too right yes so it was either like really hot or you get hodgepodged with the rain yeah oh boy there are some days where i sweat so much and you you also feel awkward coming up to a door with a giant v of sweat running from your shoulders (laughs) all the way down to your belly button you're like "Uh, this really isn't professional (laughs) (laughs) i promise i put deodorant on yeah (laughs) okay so stepping away from like door-to-door sell type stuff so obviously that was tough um you made it through so you learned something i guess Uh, (laughs) um so I know you said that you kind of got into this depressive state. When did you kind of notice that that depressive state was starting to happen? I think sometime around when school started, maybe a little after that. I mean, I know it definitely helped when school started, but I think kind of slowly after that is I wasn't able to do a whole lot that I wanted to, meaning couldn't really exercise and do much on that end. And then trying to go to physical therapy and things like that, but having a really hard time getting there. Um, I feel like once when I got back from well I guess it's probably easier to go back on than this I came back probably 
early to mid-July from doing door-to-door sales, and I figured, okay, knee pain, uh, never had this before. It'll go away in two to three weeks of icing my knees and just letting it be. But then after it didn't go away and I started going to physical therapy and I wasn't able to do very many things, I think that's when a lot of that depression started kicking in. And I think I've definitely noticed that it's very easy for my mental state to go up and down with how like physically messed up I am. Yeah, that's that really does add a lot. And oh, are you still in physical therapy at the moment? No, okay, um, I did it for about six months and got to a lot better state and then eventually decided that it didn't wasn't really working for me any past that point. Tried a chiropractor that helped for a period and then it stopped helping after a certain point. Um, went to almost every doctor under the sun, meaning from pain management specialists to neurologists to talking to people who specialize in almost every part of the body. Um, eventually ended up at a rheumatologist that figured out that, oh, if I just keep trying different drugs for three or four months at a time, eventually we'll find something that works. And eventually, I think probably probably midway through junior year or something like that might have been, yeah, I think somewhere around there, um, I ended up starting to feel a lot better with the drugs that I was on and now I'm able to do all the stuff that I want to working on a computer and all that which I for a time thought I wasn't going to be able to and then I'm also able to do a little bit like I can do weightlifting for exercise and I can walk just about as much as I want so oh that's awesome I'm, I'm glad that it yeah. even though it took a while <laughs> I'm glad you got to that point <laughs> yeah uh, me too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you got you got kind of past, or I don't know if you're past it. It sounds like you're doing better than you were. Um, but yeah. yeah, so you were in that depressive state, and oh, it was medical bills. I was going to ask, so are you in the U.S.? I don't know. Yeah, so I live in the United States over in Arizona. Um, I was on my parents' medical insurance at that point and didn't really have to worry about paying for much anything. Um, definitely racked up and hit my deductible every single year. And after a certain point, all of my medical costs were covered by insurance because I had, you know, you drop five or $6,000 on medical expenses in a year, all of a sudden the insurance company has to start paying for the rest of it. So, yep, got to use it. <laughs> yeah. Um, now on my now on my own insurance via work and a little bit scary trying to think about like what happens if I have to start going and taking MRIs again if the like disease starts getting worse but I figure it's a lot better to take that kind of day by day yeah well hey at least you have some insurance right now and back then you had insurance so that's yeah. good that that was not too much of a worry for you um, okay so let's go maybe further into that year so you had that depressive state uh, moving along, how did further into your year go? Or was there more struggles on that year? Um, I feel like me being depressed and then physically not being able to do a lot, I spent a lot of time doing things like watching anime, watching TV, because besides like the knee pain, I ended up developing issues with my neck, making it so I couldn't look down a whole lot most of the time. Like if I sat there and stared at a laptop for six hours, it was going to be highly problematic. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that w that part was a lot rougher than the knees because it was like, oh, I can't do like 
functional adult things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I figured out a setup in my room where I basically would just lay up against the backboard of my TV and or backboard of my bed and then have the TV off to the edge of the bed and would basically look straight forward. Um, so I spent a lot of time doing that. My classes at that point were pretty easy. Um, I found a lot of like the early years of business school fairly easy for me. So that helped a lot. Yeah, that's um, good. I definitely feel like relationship wise was very tough. Like me constantly being depressed and then constantly wanting to be around someone to kind of relieve that type of feeling. Um, definitely put relationship strain on things. Um, definitely plenty of times where it's like, ooh. Wonder how I'm gonna get through this one. <laughs> yeah. Um going after that, I mean, I don't think it really got solved sophomore year, meaning there'd be times where it's like, oh yeah, I don't need to worry that much. I'm about to go see it go see this doctor and you know, hopefully things will be better then. Where it was basically always, okay, let's look forward to the next thing that's in like a month or two and just kinda of keep spirits as high as we can during that point. Um and was still working on trying to do career advancement type stuff to try and find internship, be a part of clubs, get officer position type things. Um, but still found myself kind of depressed kind of throughout that whole year. That part, the struggles I kind of had with depression, I had some of that in high school, went away for a bit from freshman year, came back with kind of the injuries. And then after that, in my junior year, eventually kind of faded away as I started one, physically feeling a lot better, and two, went to therapy and started kind of getting past some feelings where it's like, ah, oh, yeah, all those things I was feeling, illogical. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you went to therapy, um, I know I, I watched a couple of your videos and kind of some of your thoughts on it, um, but when you went to therapy, was your first therapist like one that was pretty helpful or did you have to go through a few before you got to that one therapist? Um, I personally didn't want to spend a ton of money on it. And the school that I went to at Arizona State offers free um, counseling services. So I just went there. There was, I think, one particularly bad day where it was like had a fight with my girlfriend and then went, you know what? I, I should just go there. Th this has too much to do with me being depressed. So went in and then basically had the same therapist there for, I think, eight ten weeks something like that but because they're grad students they cycle through them fairly quickly and after a certain point it felt like it wasn't really helping anymore so then i stopped doing therapy for a while and then i started getting more depressed again at some point and then i don't remember exact timelines super well but then once i started getting depressed again that's when i went back to therapy and at that point then i was able to kind of figure things out but each time i was there it was basically with the same therapist so that part worked out pretty well yeah that's good that um having that resource available for you absolutely helped okay what about um because i know i've never been to college i'm like only 18 and haven't wanted to go to college at the moment but <laughs> that's fair <laughs> from what i understand is networking is that something that you're trying to do actively um while even if you're feeling down as you were um definitely that was the hunger for wanting like development in college and meeting people and that type of thing never really faded for me it was always constantly 
okay, I know that I have this big old dream of wanting to be this giant public speaker, and then also know that I want to be one of the best in my field in finance, and knew that the amount of effort needed to go towards that was immense. So was constantly pushing myself. Um, as far as how networking kind of looked for me in college, it was a lot of going to club meetings in order to talk with people from basically the HR, human resources department at a lot of companies will send in someone to go to these colleges, go to these clubs where there's 20 or 30 people. And that's when you get to actually one-on-one talk with a recruiter doing that immensely helpful. Um, as I was saying with like Toastmasters got a lot better at public speaking with that and sales and then was doing things where it's like, oh, I'll try and be a part of three or four clubs at a time so I can actually write something on my resume, which that was a big thing for me was like constantly trying to improve my resume semester by semester. Um, I I think I went through like 10 jobs or something like that throughout college. Um, way too many, but that's a few. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of them, it was like I tried the job and it was just management drove me nuts or it would be oh i need to quit this job because i'm doing a summer internship or oh summer internships only last for two months so i guess bye yeah did you ever Um, try just going for a temporary absence of leave um at a lot of them i by the time i hit the point where it was time for me to leave i was just was not happy where i was working for some of them like oh yeah um i remember i was working at taco bell and the one by where I lived was the busiest one in the state. So a lot of times they'd be constantly trying to fill extra shifts. And it was, you can either work, work the shifts when you get called. So if they are looking for somebody, they'll call you. But then eventually it felt like too many hours. And then I asked for less hours. Then I was getting hardly any hours. And it was like, okay, why am I working here? On top of that, it being fast food. (laughs) Yeah. It, there are a lot of jobs where it's like I would temporarily take something because I thought it would work out all right. And then basically trying to give any sort of input to my manager didn't really go very well. There's a temporary job that I tried once. Um, there was one of them where I only worked it for a couple of days because of knee pain type thing. Um, there was a couple jobs that I did have for a couple of years while in college working as a community assistant in the dorms and then also as a tutor for economics and for statistics but as far as how all that relates to networking i feel like a lot of it was constantly trying to make myself look appealing on a piece of paper while meeting other people and building skills at the same time that would make me more confident while talking and having the confidence about a certain subject material to be able to talk about it in an interview or something like that and still feel good about all of it yeah Hey, right now it's kind of an example of that. I'm interviewing you because I'm impressed with <laughs> what you've done. Um, oh, Thank no, you very much. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing that's just on my mind is I feel like in society we just put these labels like celebrity or like finance, for example. You're a finance, you were a finance major, right? At ASU? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you were a finance major at ASU. So they see that. And then um, you work at Vanguard. So I don't know if I should have said that, but... But, way, yeah. Oh, it's not a problem. It's on LinkedIn. It's not hard to see. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I found it. But yeah, so you work at yeah. Vanguard. Um, so people will be like, oh, this guy's a financially smart person. Um, but what do you feel like your struggles that are just kind of hidden beneath that, like like who you are, I guess? Um, I guess a, one of the biggest ones was always, the, I guess the two biggest ones I feel like we kind of touched on a little bit, but the mental state stuff around 
the constant injuries that were involved with um, rheumatoid arthritis and not knowing what it was or what's where I would be physically speaking down the road until it was diagnosed and took drugs that actually could deal with it. And then two, dealing with kind of depression of constantly from having like these big aspirations and constantly trying to push myself towards them. The tendency to be like, ah, yes, what you were doing right now, not good enough is high for me sometimes. And I've gotten better at that over time, but definitely have struggled with just constantly trying to push myself while also not mentally torturing myself at the same time. Yeah, I get that completely. Um, when when you're pushing yourself, uh, there's these moments, like sometimes you have to force yourself to relax. When you're relaxing, do you, are you good at getting that mindset to just relax? Like, I know you're not working on your goals, but you're relaxing. I don't know if that made sense, but... Oh, yeah, I totally understand. There, one thing that has been an absolute blessing with all of this is that all with all this that was poorly explained <laughs> one thing that's been a blessing with all of the chronic conditions involved with rheumatoid arthritis was that learning how to be patient and learning how to accept the fact that rest is an absolutely necessary part of building yourself was something that i was basically forced to learn um every time that i try and push myself way too hard i end up basically breaking something so i just don't do that anymore. A lot of times I'll push the limits and go, oh, yes, I can feel the pain. It's time to stop. Wow. Um, that's a way, <laughs> that's a way good example for just like, knowing your limits. You're kind yeah. of forced to, though. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like knowing that rest is going to be absolutely necessary and there's only so much you can do to inject caffeine into yourself or so much meditation or trying to do things that'll make it, oh, yes, I can get way more energy out of the day. And it's like, Yes, you can maximize it to maybe, you know, 25, 30%, whatever that number might be. Hard to quantify. But you still are human. You still have to sleep. You still have to mentally take care of yourself. You can't just decide you don't need to exercise or don't need to take care of your, like, mental health or things like that. Um, so I definitely have learned the hard way how to relax. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I never would have thought that like, like arthritis, um, kind of taught you in a sense. Um, so although that's a not, uh, like, I'm not excited that that's how you learned it <laughs> would have been better if you could have had those physical joints move in and also been able to learn how to relax. Um, and then with goals, just, uh, so I don't know, how do you set your goals? Do you go daily, weekly, monthly quotas? I don't know. How, how do you go about that? I feel like that's one thing I've done a lot of experimenting with and not always been the most consistent with. I, I've i always had like these very large aspirations of, okay, I want to be the damn near best in my field with finance and then also want to be one of the best public speakers out there once I get old enough to actually have something to talk about. Um, but with kind of the more intermediate term, talking like five, ten years, and then also looking at things kind of six months out, a year out, or even like a week out, a lot of times I find myself going, okay, here's a rough plan for how things are going to go and kind of the five to ten year plan type thing. And mm -hmm. if things change, that's fine. Just need to keep good pace. And then with the more short-term things, 
sometimes I'll set hard goals and go, okay, I really need to focus and hit this number. And other times I'll try and set a goal and go, this would roughly be nice, but here's what I really need to focus on in this area. And for example, like I might say, oh, I want to hit 500 subs on YouTube or something like that. But sometimes I'm not always in control of that number completely because it's not like I can force people to actively want to watch my videos. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is focus on the inputs that are going to get me to that point. So I can go, one thing I've been doing recently is trying not to worry about the views or subscribers that much and just go, okay, I need to make a video that is not a piece of shit. Something that I actually feel really good about producing, which has been difficult. Yeah. Um, but I mean, those type of things can be even applied to, like I've been studying for the charter financial analyst exams, which there's three different levels to those. And each one you usually study somewhere between three to 500 hours for. And those, it's really simple. You go, I need to do this many hours per day, this many hours per week. I need to hit this many hours within this four month time period. That type of thing, it's very easy to quantify. Okay, I want to hit this number today. And if I don't hit it, well, I'm going to have to make it up tomorrow. Oh, um, yeah. Versus, so versus like YouTube, for example, again, and it's like, well, that's not in my control yeah. completely. <laughs> yeah. So I've definitely had to experiment with which parts of my life I can quantify really well and other parts where I have to focus less on hitting a hard number and more on what are the inputs that are going to get me that number. I think that weightlifting is a really interesting example of that for me. Meaning I've been wanting to hit 225 on bench for probably more than a year now um and obviously i can't just magically make myself stronger and with rheumatoid arthritis if i push myself too hard it's going to be problematic so the most important thing in the entire kind of recipe for getting strong enough to be able to do that is consistency making sure that i eat the right things over a year period over and over and over again and not letting myself mess up when i get sad or happy or things like that and obviously, there's still enjoying yourself along the way, but taking kind of a more less extreme approach, but still consistently good and making sure that, oh, yes, I don't try and work out super hard for two weeks straight and then not work out for a week, but it's three days a week and doing that every single week and keeping it I up. I feel like it's, yeah, it's like, it's really about where, what area your goal's in. It's highly dependent on, how you should structure those is based off of what is going to get you to that goal. Can you actually quantify that goal or do you need to focus more on what factors are going to get you to that goal? Yeah. Um, what, and then, so yeah, the, the quantum versus non-quantum, I actually really like those, that mindset towards it because just like I have a podcast too and um, I'm like, I can't guarantee people are going to come in and watch and listen and um, versus I can guarantee to write in a journal, for example. So I, I really like that you mentioned that quantum versus non-quantum, I guess. Um, but yeah, but, and then when you don't reach your goals, um, does that take a toll on you or do you got that mindset of just going right past it? Really depends on what it is. I For a long time throughout kind of middle school, high school, I constantly hit this point where it'd be, I'd try really hard at something and then I would, come like short of it 
some of those were caused by injuries, meaning I had to give up playing soccer for over 10 years after having the kind of first spouts of what rheumatoid arthritis would end up being, where I had toe pain, which basically couldn't run with. Hmm. Um, and then tried to do professional esports and hit a point where my fingers just could not handle playing for that many hours. And by the time I had been in physical therapy for six months and had finally come back into trying to do it, all my friends had stopped playing. It basically hit a point where it's just like, well, maybe I don't like playing this game enough to overcome all of the pain that I'm going to have to overcome. And those type of things, it didn't like, it was painful, but it didn't bug me as much because a lot of it felt like it was out of my control. But when there's goals where there are things where, oh, when I messed up my calculus class and didn't study enough for an exam and I wanted to start off college with straight A's. I mean, that, that type of thing would upset me because it was my own fault that it happened. So a lot of times I've learned to let go of the things where it's out of my control. But if it is something that I could control, I find it very upsetting. And sometimes it's not always 100% controllable or 100% not controllable. But identifying what you're, what what you could have done versus what you realistically you just weren't going to be able to do, I feel like is really important for deciding whether I want to be hard on myself or not. Yeah, and then when you are hard on yourself, do you kind of like knack on your head for the next six months, or is it when you look back, you're like, man, I could have just done that better. Like for me, one of my regrets <laughs> is how I treated high school. Um, I feel like it really depends on what it is i don't tend to hold on to things for a very long time period i don't really regret much that i've ever done it's usually i'm like this is a learning experience i need to move on to the next thing and if i feel bad about it well then i should just become a monster for whatever i want to do in the future because i can do no good for what happened in the past yeah well that's that's definitely the good mindset where you should be focused on in my opinion so you're i feel like that's on the right mindset uh, so you're a customer support representative at Vanguard, right? Yeah. Okay. I haven't really had to start actually helping people with like customer questions and stuff because I've been having to study for licensing exams. So. Oh yeah. So I've only been in the role for a couple months, but the uh, basically um, Finra, which is the Financial Industries Regu- Regulatory Authority, has uh, so many new people have been hired now that the pandemic has slowed down outside of the Delta variant. Basically, a whole bunch of people got hired. A whole lot of people were trying to get into test centers. A lot of test centers weren't open because of all of the closings with the pandemic really not being done, even though all these people were hired after a bunch had been fired with the start of the pandemic. So now there's a whole lot of sitting around and just studying for day after day after day after day, just going, when am I going to take this exam? I'm ready. How how has that just made your overall, like, how's, how's it been with that being the case? Um, I've been working from home while it's been happening. And honestly, I haven't minded it too much. I did find myself, I moved in, in, um, early June. And at first I find myself getting fairly lonely throughout the day but ended up getting a new puppy after about two or three weeks and have not really had as many issues since then i live with my girlfriend right now and see her every day and then i have a buddy that i work out with three or four times a week and between that and a weekly podcast and 
Well, that's good that uh, that's all kind of working out. Um, so it's been helpful having time to do those kind of things and not having to stress about work as much. Yeah, I bet. Um, so yeah, how, how do you know how long it's going to be till you get licensed? No, they still haven't given us a test date, and I have another exam to take after this one. Hmm. That's interesting. It's a little, it's a little weird. Yeah, weird, but it makes I, sense. Yeah, like I fully understand why it's happening. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's another aspect. Uh, when you see other successful people, to me, it sounds like you're probably the type of guy that uh, likes to learn from them, improve. Um, but do you ever compare yourself to them and? Does that build you or kind of bring you down? Uh, sorry, could you say that one again? Yeah. Uh, so when you're with, um, when you could, when you see other like more successful people, I guess, uh, to me, it sounds like you're the type of person that would improve, like learn from them. But do you ever compare yourself in a positive or negative way to more successful people, I guess? I definitely have had some toxic traits with that at some point. <laughs> um, there are people who are like way ahead of me where I'm like, ah, yes, I feel like I can try and learn some things from you. If I know someone objectively knows more than me about a subject area that I'm interested in, a lot of times, even if I do feel frustrated about certain things, I'll still try and learn from them as much as I can. But there are some things where I'll get frustrated with the way some Sometimes I'll be working with someone or someone will be above me and there's certain habits that they'll have where I'll look at it and they'll think of it as a good thing and I'll be like, I don't think that that's that good a thing. Like some of that comes down to like effort at work or whether it comes down to how they're treating other people or the type of things they do with their free time or those type of things and go, okay, why is this person ahead of where I am? at the same age as me while at the same time has worse habits than me while doing other things. And I feel like sometimes I find myself frustrated with that type of thing. Sometimes people are just ahead of me because they're older than me. Other times it's people just happen to be at the right time at the right place. And even if their habits are a little bit different than me, they have it where they're not that different. Meaning someone could be 20% lazier than you, but you know, that's still enough if they're smart enough to get them to the same place as you. Yep. And sometimes I found myself frustrated with that. I've gotten better at it over the years, but it's still something that I struggle with sometimes. With luck? I mean, do you, th okay, first of all, do you think luck exists, quote unquote? I know you said right time, right place. Um, it's one of those subjects where I'm like, I, I have no clue. I know that there's definitely... <laughs> a correlation between what people call luck and what is just being prepared. Meaning people who put in the effort, put in the learning, move past their problems and are prepared for good things to happen to them and are looking for good things to happen to them tend to have a lot more good things happen to them. But I mean, there is something to be said for, Oh, I'm born into a wealthy family with loving parents versus someone else is born to a much poorer country with parents that are not around and has to, be bullied by other people around them like that yeah. there's something to be said at least in that regard realistically so there's some differences some people that have an easier start some oh. yeah i get what you're saying um okay so here's another one that i i've seen you made a video about too and i kind of want to expand on some of those thoughts um does financial or 
does money lead to happiness? Oh yeah, that was a fun video to make. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I had a very specific opinion about this, but in in short, kind of money gives you the opportunity to be able to make yourself happy if you're willing to go do the things that will make you happy, but it creates its own problems and pressures that come along with it and past a certain point like money for solving like shelter, food, education, that kind of thing absolutely will make you happy or pretty much no matter what. Yeah. But once you're perfectly fine within the standards of your country, then after that point, it, it, it's a maybe. Like it could, but it might not. It highly depends on your relationship with money and how you treat money and not thinking that it's going to solve all your problems, but using it more as a tool. Yeah. Um, I noticed in that video you mentioned, I, th I think you found it, like you researched it, that 75K was the mark for where past that it's useless to have more money. Um, do you agree with that number? Because for me, I feel like it'd be close to like 50 or 60K. I'm not, I don't remember the exact number from the video, but I definitely think that it highly depends on where you are in the world. Oh yeah, I forgot like, to mention that. <laughs> like, um, like even here in the United States, the difference between how far $50,000 goes in New York City versus how well it goes in South Dakota very different like numbers yeah, so most definitely i feel like a lot of that is context but whatever gets you you know at this point what's going to pay for making sure that you have electricity internet you have food and water insurance you have a working car you're able to go to work without problems your kids have education basically at least reasonably assured and safety is pretty well taken care of anything kind of past that point is just kind of fluff yeah so realistically it's not even a number it's like you said all that stuff um and then there was one more thing so you know how jeff bezos i most of his net worth isn't liquid um so when you have a if most of your savings i guess is um not liquid i guess do you think well, I mean, you just kind of said what happiness with money is. It's that financial st stability. <laughs> but if you had most of your money not liquid, how do you see that playing a role into this? Uh, it, I feel like it provides a sense of security, at least. Yeah. Um, I think it, some of it depends on like how much wealth you have. Like, if... Like a lot of times, like something that's not going to be very liquid is a house. And if most of your wealth is in a house, usually people still feel fairly confident about that because housing prices don't tend to diminish that much. Meaning, obviously, 2007, 2008 housing market crash was its Oop. own kind of deal. And right now, the housing market's kind of nuts, but you can still get fairly good prices for things. But all things considered, they tend to be fairly stable. So people usually feel okay about that type of thing. But if you're in that situation, but you still don't, if you're not able to like, I feel like it's going back to the same idea of if you're able to sustain basically your own healthy lifestyle and not having much past that kind of point where everything starts becoming fluff, if hard assets help you do that, meaning if it's in something that's not very liquid, well, then they really aren't going to make you that much happier, I feel like. 
Yeah, I'm in agreement with Nathan. When I was asking that question, I was like, well, you just said those financial stabilities. Um, once you have those, it doesn't matter if it's liquid or it's cash. It's You have those stabilities. So from there, it's improving yourself. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I know that I personally, once I, I'm assuming that at a certain point, I'm going to have quite a lot of money saved up in things where it's like, oh, yes, I have a whole bunch of net worth in things like stocks or real estate or bonds or stuff like that. And yes, I get somewhat of a good feeling of the idea of doing something similar to uh, Warren Buffett, where it's you go, okay, I'm going to take this money and donate most of it after I've done the things in life that I want to do. But I think that having it just to have it and not having any plan to spend it at any point, it, I think that's where issues can arise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the other thing, there's a couple more things I have in mind. Um, uh, so yeah, what do you feel like has been the most financially dumb thing you've done, I guess? Just on paper, the um, door-to-door sales thing really did not work out financially. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and you said, Going that, over the- you said that was out of country too, right? No, it was across the country. So oh, I was yeah. basically west coast of the United States, and then I went to work on the east coast. Um, but basically, I didn't really make much of any money. I might have even lost a little money in the whole process. Um, so I basically tortured myself for six, seven weeks in order to not make any money. Yeah. Not a very good financial decision. I learned a fair amount, and you could say that, oh, you're paying for those skills, but just on a piece of paper, really crap deal. Yep. And it made your arthritis a little bit worse, so. Yeah, not to mention all the costs that came with that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then another thing, I feel like this is something I honestly kind of struggle with, is buying stuff, and then you just kind of show it off. Um, I'm into tech, so a lot of the times I buy something, and then I... As soon as someone comes to my house, I'm like, oh, look at this, what I got. Uh, <laughs> do you feel like that plays any bit of a role in your life? Um, occasionally. Like, I grew up in an area where out of my friend group, I tended to be like on the wealthier side of things. My Both my parents are doctors, so I've always had, lived a fairly nice life, all things considered. So there's sometimes where it'd be like, oh, yes, I have a toy, and this is fantastic to play with. Um, once I was done with high school and kind of into adulthood more so i mean sometimes it'd be like oh yes i got a car fucking everybody look at this thing or oh i got myself a new gaming computer this is fucking sweet but a lot of my money has gone back into things like investing or buying books and crap like that or trying to save up for bigger things so on occasion i think is the way to put it yeah which i guess there's nothing too wrong with doing it on occasion i guess it's when it becomes an addiction that it's an issue for people (laughs) everything in moderation yeah that's that seems to be the main getaway uh yeah so i think that's for the most part what the questions i kind of had and that was kind of interesting hearing how um those struggles with the depression and um the arthritis which I i would have had no idea you had arthritis just from looking at your youtube videos so Props to you for keeping up with that and learning how to get past it, even if it took time. Definitely. Um, is there anything you want to add? Um, I feel like I covered a lot of things. Um, I really don't have like any sort of like overwrapping life lesson at the moment. I still need to 
live a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And you're living right now, so. <laughs> yes. I, I guess if there was any one thing I would say, it would be a, a lot of like lessons that get taught in like children's books or that people constantly are spouting on the internet. A lot of them, if you look at them not in extremes, like absolutes, and you take them in moderation, they work out so much better in reality. <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, one of those examples was, I forgot what the book is called, but in like third grade, it was called like Seven Habits, something of this sort. Oh, Seven Habits of Effective, Seven Habits of like Effective People or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I remember seeing it in elementary school and me and all the kids would always make fun of it. Like, this is stupid. And like the principal would always be advertising it. And then just as I've gotten older, it's like, yeah, these are actually effective. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. Do you want to just credit your, I guess what I'll call an outro? Um, uh, yeah. So I guess if people want to see more of me, I have a YouTube channel. If you just type in YouTube.com/slash Grady Cool, it pops up. Um, I'm on pretty much every platform, but YouTube's probably the easiest place to find me. Yeah. Cool. Well, with that in mind, we will move to the next piece of dough. Do you want the We now move on to our next piece of dough. That's a lot of stuff from Grady. Let's sum it up. Dealing with arthritis and the mental state of depression that followed him through that time, to building his confidence and finding new friends during college. Let's go to the ending segment. Alright, so the guest in this episode is Grady Cool. Thanks a ton for being on, man. My challenge for September is going to be putting everything in light mode. And I would love to have you guys as a guest, so there'll be info to sign up in the description. And if you're wondering what Linguini's dough is, this is where we start with the dough, which is a base ingredient, and we bake from that. Usually I try to talk about um, self-improvement and what people are struggling with, um, but we can make it around from time to time. Uh, the voice actor in this video is user slash Lendry from Reddit, spelled L-E-N-D-R-Y. Go check him out if you want a reliable voice actor. 